This podcast is a quest for well-being, a quest for a meaningful life through the exploration of fundamental truths. Enlightening ideas, insights on physical, mental, and spiritual health. The inspiration is love. The aspiration is to awaken new ways of thinking that can lead us to a new way of being. Being well. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations. The generosity practice takes all the good work you do in meditation, self-care, and alchemizes it into fuel for you to get out and make a difference. It's where your personal sanctuary directly affects how you help people. It aligns your inner truth with the rest of your life. If you truly commit to this practice, you won't be able to get out there and make a difference fast enough. You won't need to keep safe in a cave. Valeria interviews Christina Free. She is the author of The Generosity Practice, 40 Days to Unstoppable. Christina runs a boutique marketing practice called Innate Marketing Genius, where she helps solo business owners own their voice, market to their strengths, and get the right clients consistently. Her holistic marketing approach grew out of a lonely, chaotic time when she moved to Boston all on her own and discovered her own way to really connect with people. She recently gave a TEDx talk on this. Personally, she's on a mission to live more sustainably. She is obsessed with thrift shopping and is a new convert to plant-based eating. In between, she chases her dog around with a stuffed animal snake, meditates on a pink couch, cold plunges like Wim Hof all year long, and obsesses over the perfect cup of green tea. All in a seaside town just north of Boston. Meet Christina at innatemarketinggenius.com. Here's the interview with Christina Free. In your own words, who is Christina Fry? Yeah, so how to put that? I would say that I am somebody who has really wrestled with finding my own voice in the world and figuring out my own path for a long time. And and it really started with wanting to follow in my father's footsteps. He's really successful as an engineering company, just conquer the world. And it just took me a long time to get out from under that. And, um, and it, it caused a lot of health problems along the way. Like I didn't know it was related to that, but it just, my inability to really know myself and connect to my own voice was really detrimental. And then, um, one of the things that truly helped me turn things around is figuring out how I absolutely love helping other people, And the practice that I'm probably going to share with you in a a minute or two is called the generosity practice. And it's, it's very much about that. It clarifies on an ongoing basis, like what really matters to me, how I really want to serve others. And, um, and that really was one of the big things that turned things around for me. Um, and it just helped me realize who I am, what I care about and what my voice is really meant for. So, um, if I had to just put it in a nutshell, I would start with that. Yes, it sounds wonderful. 
to know that you are where you are today. And at the same time, it's sad to hear that so many of us, including myself, go through this process of finding ourselves in a way, as you put it, as finding our own voice, but it's finding our true selves um, in a way, the way I, I, I understand it. Why does it take so long, Christina? For me, it took, I think, was at the age of 37, I'm 46 now, that I really <laughs> started tap into what I really wanted to do. I would love to hear from you the obstacles before we talk about how to get there, how you got there specifically. What are the obstacles to listening and to expressing that true voice? I would say one of the things that made it much slower for me is, I mean, I looked around me at what people were doing and what worked for them. And uh, a lot of times I just didn't see myself reflected in that, but I didn't ask the question of like, well, just because all of these people around me who happen to be working at certain corporations or, you know, like my mother was a stay-at-home mom, um, all of her friends were stay-at-home moms, or at least a lot of them. And because I'm in my 50s and I just came up through the 70s and 80s and that was just much more common back then. Um, and I just, there weren't a lot of other examples out there of how to be. You either were going to get a great job, make a lot of money, uh, raise a family, et cetera, et cetera, or you were just going to be nobody. And yeah, things were changing, obviously, but I, I have to give myself a little bit of compassion around it all. It's like, and, and everybody else too, because it's sort of all we knew. One of the things that I consider to be the biggest gift now is the visceral experience of what it's like to have my own truth. You know, that, that sounds so fluffy. It's like, yes. <laughs> what does that even Good. mean? Right. But once you've had the mm. visceral experience mm. and you can have it in many different ways, there's really no going back. So that's really like in different ways, I started having those experiences of like, you know, what does that feel like? What is it actually like in my body to have my own truth? And so the more I had that, the more I just couldn't turn away from that, you know, and I wasn't going to be an engineer in a corporate setting. So, yeah. <laughs> Would you say it takes courage, trust, practice, being open? What would you say is the first step? if there is one, <laughs> if it is linear, usually it's not. Right. Um, I would say one of the most helpful things for me is finding people who were asking good questions around all this stuff. You know, one of the first communities I accidentally happened into was a group of singers who do acapella in New York City. And, um, and they were just people who asked questions about life in a time where meditation was not that prominent and yoga was not that prominent, but these were just curious souls. And I would say they absolutely set me on a path of, yeah, keep asking, keep exploring, keep trying, um, keep just jumping into the dark. Yes, <laughs> the unknown, as you say, yeah, in the book. Yeah, <laughs> it's so true. Yeah. I love that. So Openness, being open and curious, that really helps. It's been my case. That was my path. And you mentioned early comparison, right? Mm -hmm. That's a tough one, isn't it? Because it feels like, especially as teenagers, when we are really young, that's what we have. That's our reference. 
it's what's happening around us. So it's not easy not to compare or not want to do uh, something the other people are doing. How do you define success these days, Christina? Oh, that's a great question. I would say success is really looking carefully at what matters to you. Like for me, what really matters to me is, you know, having work where I'm helping others in a, you know, a fulfilling way and also being in community with people I care about in ways that are not just nice, right? They're just like, we actually lift each other up. We have a great time and, you know, and I could add to that, but it's sort of, you know, what really matters to me and then the willingness to take action in that direction. It's not just being aware. It's also taking that meaningful action to bring it into your life. So it takes courage (laughs) every time I think about action. Actually, when it's inspired, uh, we can't help it, but just act and do something. But sometimes it takes a while. And what does it feel like at the level of, let's say, emotions, psychologically, and at the level of the body as well, of course. What is the feeling when we are there, per se, when you know that you are listening to your own voice and living, having that experience? One of the things I noticed for myself is, I mean, I can just tell you specifically in my body, it was definitely in my lower belly. I think it varies for people, but I always get like a DPS in my lower belly. And what is such a, a, a great indicator is I have this sense that I will do whatever it takes to get to the place I need to go. Like it's sort of pointing me in a certain direction. Um, and I'll go through a lot of things to make sure that whatever this is gets brought into reality, right? Like there's this inner yes, this inner knowing that happened to me when, um, with this practice where I was like, I don't care what it takes. I'm going to just teach this thing to as many people as I can possibly get my hands on because I just know it's the right thing. I don't care how many people say no Mm. or, you know, rejection, failure, whatever. It's like, I just, that to me is sort of an indicator. Yeah. There's something really powerful to listen to you um, saying that. So it's almost like it's something that's driving us rather than the other way around. (laughs) It's almost (laughs) like we're being driven or we're being thought to do these things, guided, really. That's what I want to say. It really feels that way, listening to you, the way you speak. Yeah, I can relate to that. What is your idea of happiness? Yeah, talk to me about that. What is your understanding of what happiness is? Yes, happiness is sort of a lovely... Um, I would say it's frosting on the cake of living a fulfilling life. It's not something that I necessarily count on. Mm. It's more just, to me, what matters much more is fulfillment and purpose. And sometimes purpose kicks you in the butt, let's be honest. (laughs) It's really painful and hard. And it's like, happiness happens, but I just, Mm. I don't want to have expectations that I always am happy. Yes. Yeah. I love that wisdom too. Right. I usually go for inner peace, which it is very much related to fulfillment, maybe coming from a different place because I have a lot of, uh, let's say, spiritual understandings and philosophies and practices that I engage with that kind of solidifies this realization that we are already fulfilled. So there's really nothing to be added to what we are. But this is might sound abstract, 
Um, and then that's why it seems like that's why we add these ideas of um, sharing our gifts and purpose and having talents. So I'm very careful around these things because sometimes it also feels like an obligation and then it takes the peace away. And then it seems like we need to keep doing what we are doing in order to feel fulfilled. And that's what I'm very careful around. I try yeah. to be fulfilled no matter what. <laughs> If I'm doing this or not doing this, which I call meaningful and great, which I love this work I do. But I try to practice visualizing even not doing this at all and still feeling fulfilled. Yeah, I want to say that because it's, uh, that's coming from spiritual practices and with that with spiritual understandings. But uh, let me ask you, since we're talking about spirituality, what is spirituality to you and what are your spiritual views of yourself in life? Sure. Um, I would say spirituality, what I've noticed is that there is a realm. There's like a, um, a sort of ether <laughs> that we all occupy. And one thing that I have learned how to recognize along my travels is that each one of us is vibrating in a certain way at any given moment. And so that to me is like, there is spirit within you. And, you know, one fun thing that I have learned how to do is just to see color, right? Like if I wanted to, I'd say, okay, well, what's Valeria's color today? You know, like everybody has, is vibrating in a color. Sometimes there's other colors that kind of cloud it, but it's so beautiful to just see or even contemplate, even if you have no idea what color people are at. It's like that person's vibrating at a certain frequency, right? And it's just like, let me just tune into that. How are they doing? What's affecting them? So that that to me is like, if you if you're buying into that, that we're all vibrating in a certain way, then like that to me is spirit. We're all just a bunch of spirit. Mm, <laughs> so. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yes. Right. It's interesting to talk about color because I usually... I had this practice or those visions of seeing colors every time I heard something, even the, the weekdays or the, the person's name, then a color would show up. And I wonder what that is. Does it have to do with the chakras, with the colors and numbers? They play a, a huge mm. role in spiritual visions. I will share one thing with you related to that, Valeria. Um, I was at the Berkeley Psychic Institute in Berkeley, California in the early 2000s. And that's actually, we were in our sixth chakra. That was the training. And we just looked at color. So if you're seeing color after you hear somebody's name, that's actually, we did that every single time we did a reading. Someone would say their name three times and we would just see the color. We'd be like, oh, you're at purple today. And so maybe that's a little bit of, what you just saw color for the yeah. people that whose names you heard I don't know that might have been happening for you right yeah usually I'm very intuitive with these things and I love the mystery too so I just live as it is <laughs> stands in its own like I let it be what it is without trying to rationalize it too much or make it explain everything but I love the idea the system the chakra systems that makes sense it resonates true let me ask you the actually I, I want to to introduce your book. It's titled The Generosity Practice, 40 Days to Unstoppable. Talk to me about the main intention of writing your book. Sure. The main intention of writing my book was pretty much the same as the main intention of doing the practice. It's that every human within themselves has this innate capacity to offer something gorgeous to the world, even if they have no money to do it. You know, one of the, the things that I play with in that practice is 
pretend that you have limitless resources and, um, or just, you know, there's no, like you have all the money in the world and you could give anything to everyone on the planet or whoever you wanted to, you know, the joy that can come out of that contemplation, that is what a human can do. And so that's why I wrote that book. Cause I want people, you know, we all experience that to some degree, but you can actually really focus yourself on it like a laser beam. And what it does is I've, I've pretty much counted 21 different things that happen to us when we focus in that particular direction. It can go very deep. It can have big changes. Even if, again, let's say you decide that day, I'm going to give out big piles of puppy dogs, mm-hmm. right? And yes. it's like, you're not yeah. going to go do that in real life. But what it does to you mm. internally huh. just by thinking about that is profound, Mm. that's what I've been studying for a while. And I I share a little bit about that in the book as well. I've read um, some pages of your book and and I contemplated the idea. And then for me, when I read this, you actually start the book saying, it all comes down to this, what feels good to offer to life today. And then uh, for me, it came something that it might sound abstract. Again, it's it's the... um, Spiritual knowledge, that understanding, that knowing, uh, although it can be known really with the logical mind, but that we are already complete and whole, that there's no need to, to be afraid of anything that will happen or could happen. And I was wondering how I could give this. <laughs> I'm already pretty much doing this in a way by hosting this podcast and writing my books and collaborating with so many amazing people. But I thought about my neighbors and I was wondering, how would I, how would I do that? You know, they probably would have closed the door on my face <laughs> if I told them that they're already <laughs> complete and fulfilled and, and just be happy. Now, you know, this is happiness, really, the realization that you are what you are looking for. And I know it's, this is an ancient um, message, spiritual knowledge, but so many of us don't have that yet. That sounds abstract. Does it have the same mm-hmm. effect within the practice of generosity practice, if I do it that way? <laughs> yeah. Um, people ask me that actually quite often, yeah. Where, which is basically, mm. can you give away sort of feelings, yes, right? And, and yeah. of course you can, especially uh. if it feels really beautiful to you. Yeah. So that's, that's one thing you can beam that out to the world. I mean, you can have as much fun with this thing as you possibly could have. I will say this, yeah. um, <laughs> as far as, you know, uh, because believe me, I have certain neighbors that I would love to have <laughs> yes, the ability I'm to sure. give some beautiful things to. But um, I'm also aware that just uh, to bring it back to frequency, yeah. we're all at a certain frequency, which makes us available to receive certain things at certain times. Some people are ready for some things. And so, and so I've actually built into the practice You want to be offering this out to all of life with the caveat that it's going to go where it's most needed and wanted, where people are ready. You don't have to worry about that. You can have faith in the supreme intelligence of all of life. Like just to have that kind of life at your, you know, as a colleague, it knows where it all, like that is such a relief not to have to worry about that. Um, and, And the reason I use that, like I'm a marketer and the reason I have every client use it is because they're always worried about like, well, if I put this, you know, marketing out, what if nobody likes it? It's like, let's get you to a place where you stop worrying about that. That's what that's about. I love that approach. So it's letting go of outcomes 
it feels very freeing, that practice, which it is one of my my biggest practice, just done and forgotten, which is a Zen also um, practice or philosophy. Yes, that sounds wonderful. It frees us from holding on to what could happen, right? I absolutely love that idea. So you just mentioned, so talk to me about, you know, you're the author of, again, The Generosity Practice, 40 Days of Unstoppable, but you are also a branding and marketing expert. So how did that come to be, this combination of doing what you do as a generosity practice, let's say, guide, and also the marketing person? Yeah. So when I was studying the generosity practice, I had 40 people in five countries uh, do it for 30 days, use the practice and send me videos and feedback. And um, a few of them were business owners. And they basically said, listen, Christina, I don't know why this happened. But when I use the generosity practice, I was much more consistent as a marketer, I was much more willing to go out and meet people, I was much more okay with being rejected. It just didn't matter to me as much. And also, they were better at the negotiation table because they were much more able to listen to the person on the other side of the table. So I took that and I ran with it. I had another field study, 40 business owners. I walked them through a very deep level of the practice and without going too much into the details, it basically reveals using a version of the, the generosity practice, how they most love serving other human beings. Like this beautiful archetype of service emerged from those journeys and then I translated that into marketing plans. It was so gorgeous. Like, hey, if you're the one who wants to bring a huge celebration to everyone in your life, let's make sure that your marketing really reflects that. Or if you're the one that always sees what is possible 10 miles ahead of everybody else, you, you want them to go for it, go for their big goals. Let's make sure your marketing includes that. So that then turned into what I call your innate marketing genius or your marketing archetype, where it's like, this is your favorite way of helping humans, aside from what you do for a living, right? Like you could be a real estate agent and totally be this nurturer or an adventure guide or a door opener. Like these are the archetypes I've discovered. And it's like, once you know that, you can tell a better story. You can get out there and change lives much more deeply and get clients because of it. So it, it's all grounded in that generosity practice space. It's just sort of uh, I don't know. It's just a little more um, practical and yeah. and applicable to your messaging and your marketing. Right. Yeah. Which very much resonates with me. It's the extension of ourselves. That's what I see service. So we are simply doing that, but in a better way, <laughs> as you exactly. teach them. You know, Christina, I usually ask this question to some of my guests, not all of them. Why do you think we have this desire, this strong, deep desire to help others? Yeah, I'll leave it at that. Sure. You know, I don't know if I have an answer to that. I would just yeah. say, isn't it wonderful to mm. be a human with that yeah. desire at all? Mm. Like, I just love yes. celebrating huh. that. Yeah. And and maybe I'm okay not knowing why that is. I mean, I can come up with reasons. Of course, it's nice to, like, you don't want to see other people suffering right? Like it's really hard to watch other people suffering, especially people you care about. So of course you're, but a lot of times when we're trying to stop suffering, it's a place of reactivity in ourselves. Like, oh, let me just solve all your problems. So I don't have to suffer. Uh, <laughs> That's yes. not what we're talking about, right? right? <laughs> right. Yeah. It's more like, wow, I just want to serve and bring beauty and love and 
life and all the jolly things to the planet. It's like, I don't know, maybe we're just built to expand. And that's part of that. That's a, a beautiful answer because it goes back to the fundamental truth that everything is connected. So there's, there's no separation. So that makes a lot of sense. And we can feel that at this very, let's say, the unknown to the mind level. We, can, we feel that and we act upon that, even though we create all these um, ideas around it. But that's what it, it feels like to me. So thank you for saying that. Another yeah. confirmation. So I have um, a question that I, for some reason, I think I read in your book something about gratitude and generosity. What is the connection between generosity and gratitude? Does generosity come from gratitude or gratitude from generosity? Probably both, but I would say this, that uh, gratitude, it's almost like you have to know and enjoy what you have before you can then turn around and offer it. We can't give things away that we don't have in the first place. And to really, truly, like, let's just talk metaphysically here. To really have something, or, or to give something, I should say, we have to have it first. So um, I think that's about ownership and acknowledgement. It's like, wow, do I have... Because part of the practice is you really have to learn how to... Or, or practice focusing and generating something out of nothing. Like if I want to give away acceptance, I have to actually feel acceptance first. Yes. And sometimes that's hard. Yeah. It's hard. Right. So, yeah. yeah. That's amazing. It is a challenge sometimes to to receive more than to give. I have experienced that myself in a, and probably still do. Uh, I need to become more aware of it. But do you know why that is? Why is that easy? easier for some of us to love others, to give others things and even our own most beautiful feelings before we do that to ourselves? Yeah. I mean, there's, there's sort of the receiving from ourselves and then there's receiving from others. So there's a little bit of, there's a couple of things there. I mean, I honestly, this is like a life question. I think it's the kind of question that you could live for 80 years and it's an important question. And I would say part of my own journey has revealed to me that it's, you know, it's much easier to stay in an identity of service to others um, and be a do-gooder. I have to be very careful about becoming a do-gooder, you know, too much like that, just doing it because I'm serving a role and therefore no one can ever tell me that I'm being, you know, wrong or whatever. So that, um, and then as far as like for my, that's more from outside myself, but as far as myself, like giving to myself, boy, I am working on that one, Valeria. That's a, um, you know, I'm just, I'm personally not in the habit of being like, wow, I'm just so, I think there's like, I think there's a beautiful way of being that I maybe personally have never experienced, which is, or I have, but just, it doesn't last which is, wow, I'm, I'm exactly where I need to be. I'm in alignment with my purpose. I'm around the people that feel like my people. And then you're just in a flow. And when we're in that flow, again, I'm just using words for things that are really hard to put words to. Um, then it's much easier to be like, yeah, I'm a child of God. I'm wonderful. I deserve love. Like you're just in that space. It, it's just something you, I don't know, you get there. 
I mean, if like, of course my mother or anyone who loves me is always going to be like, you're so lovable. And like yeah. people who are in my life are, are going to be like, well, we love you. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Like if yeah. you can receive yeah. that or not, it's not our problem, but yeah. I do think that it helps a lot to be in a certain kind of flow to truly receive mm. the love that is there from life. Right. Yes. Um, and, and that sounds like a practice, doesn't it? The practice of uh, being open. Wow, that makes me think about, in, in my case, that's what has helped me a lot to be open, always open and curious about whatever happens and whatever is happening. So it creates that yes. sense of re- always receiving, being being open means receiving. So it's always receiving. And then, which that's how I define love anyway, um, the giving and receiving of what is here, what's presenting itself. It's really a practice at the, uh, at the body-mind complex. Yeah, the, from the human experience it is. I think it will never end, <laughs> that practice. So... I made some notes here about your book. I read the pages, uh, some of the pages. And then let me see what caught my attention. Yeah, in the book you say, it goes back to that, self-care. The generosity practice takes all the good work you do in meditation, self-care, and alchemizes it into fuel for you to get out and make a difference. This feels like the practice, uh, the generosity practice feels like it's, it's, that's the, the practice of giving and receiving, isn't it, Christina? It feels very much like it. Yes, absolutely. And it's funny when you're doing it and you're doing it in a way that, you know, you've, you're getting results out of it. That's exactly what happens. Like you see yourself giving something out to the world and you're getting the gorgeous feeling of making a difference and just enjoying giving out fun, wacky, beautiful, and like silly things sometimes. It's just so fun that that's the gift. You're giving yourself the gift of the fun while you're feeling yourself give a gift to the world. So everybody wins. It it can become a flow, but it's not at some point, it might not feel like that. And then what we do in that case, just keep trying but it's, and then the question is, isn't it trying implies getting out of the flow, almost like not being able to go back to it. And that's why we are trying in the first place. And then it feels like it creates even more stress by trying too hard to give or receive. I mean, I would just wonder if you recommend more meditation and, uh, <laughs> and trust <laughs> in that case, just trusting what is. Yeah. And as far as the trying goes, I'm, I'm also aware that, you know, there's, there's room for making a mess and struggling sometimes. It's like, we're, sometimes we're just in a place where, I mean, I, I wrestle with that. It's like, is it okay for me to just really be confused and all over the place and try things and they don't work? And it's like, let me just hash this out. And it, you know, because it, the more acceptance I have of that craziness, it's sort of like a paradox it's like the more we accept how messed up things mm-hmm. might seem and feel, yes. like the faster we're going to yeah. probably come into some kind of flow, you know? <laughs> yes, that's it. <laughs> yeah. You see, that's a beautiful antidote is the, yeah. the acceptance. It, that to me really uh, translates into being open, open to life. Just be open. 
Another thing you said that caught my attention in your book is say the official generosity practice asks you to step into the unknown and make certain choices. It is creative, but can be daunting. So talk to me about that for a moment, <laughs> the daunting part, especially. Sure. So it's a 10 minute practice. And, you know, if you ask the question, what feels good to offer to life today? I mean, that could take 30 seconds, right? Like what yes. does feel good? Oh, I know. Yeah. I'll give out candles. <laughs> right. But yeah. like what the yeah. depth of the practice asks you to quiet your mind, you know, really come into your body, slow your breathing and wait. You basically ask that question and you step right out into the unknown and allow life or whatever you want to call it to show you something, to let something download as if you're drifting off to sleep and you're starting to dream. Like it's that liminal place where you're not entirely in control. That's the deepest level of the practice where something can download that surprises you. And you're like, why am I giving away a pile of sticks today? Yeah. <laughs> like your, yes. your logical yeah. mind is going to ask those questions, but your <laughs> deepest knowing is like, oh, I'm giving away those pile of sticks. Like, I love this and I don't even know why. And I don't care. I'm just going to give them. So that's the unknown. It's like, you have to just be willing not to have a perfect, beautiful answer right out of the gate. You have to be like, I've noticed that the more humble I stay, and the more like, oh, I really want to know, but I don't know. Yes. Right. <laughs> like, right. Then something incredible can come in. Um, it's coming from a place of freedom. That's what it sounds like. Being free enough to just let everything else to be free, especially the energies that surround us. Yep. It sounds a bit like the law of attraction or the law of manifestation. Do they share the same principles in a way? Um, I would say that it came out of, I'll tell you exactly how I developed this. Um, it was by accident because it actually relates to what you're saying. So when I was at the Berkeley Psych Institute, one of the tools was all about like manifesting and you basically imagine what you want and then you send it off to the edge of the universe so that you can get out of your own way and let it come back to you. And so, and it's like, yeah, that's law of attraction straight up. But what I noticed in myself was I was always asking like, well, where's my stuff? I couldn't yeah. let yes. it go long enough <laughs> to like yes. let it come back to me. And so yes. one day I was imagining something beautiful. I was like in my meditation space and I imagined a purple rose and it was like gorgeous. And I just wanted to just send it out. And I realized I'm like, I just want to send it out. And I don't care if I'll ever get a purple rose. I don't even know if they exist. I'm sure they do. And I, at that moment, my life changed. I swear like that purple rose, everything changed. Cause now I was like, Oh, I can just give stuff out because it's fun to give and stop being attached to the outcome. That's what happened. And that eventually turned into the generosity practice. But it took me like 13 years to figure out, oh yeah, I can, first of all, this is going to help me a lot, which it did. Second of all, this is going to help a lot of people, which it did. It just took me a long time to get there. <laughs> right. And what do you attribute to this, the time that it takes? Is it almost a change that's happening within yourself at the level, the physical level, the DNA cell level? and then moving to the mind or the other way around? What's happening between? 
Yeah. I mean, all I can say is leaving yourself 10 minutes of time is just so that you can quiet your mind and really connect with something like as if you were doing a creative practice or as if you were really tuning in to divinity in some capacity, right? It's just a way for you to shift out of the day to day. I don't know what's happening. I mean, we mm. could talk about heart math. I'm sure there are yes. things happening, right? Like that we could measure. Yes. I'd love to do that one yes. day. But yeah, yeah. I, I just want to give people, I don't always spend 10 minutes. Sometimes it takes five minutes. Sometimes it takes 20. But I just want to give people like a easy container to wrap their mind around. Like take the 10 minutes. It'll be worth your time. See, I love this practice um, because also it is a spiritual practice, I have to say. Because it has to do with uh, letting go of control, which has very much to do with the idea of the ego, of the false self that is being talked about a lot within this spiritual, many spiritual philosophies, especially Hindu and Buddhism. So that kind of resonates true. So it's, it is letting it go of what is trying to know everything and trying to get to destinations and outcomes. That's a profound practice, though, if we can do that. And um, thank you for doing that yourself, <laughs> Christina. That's <laughs> It makes already a huge impact in this reality. One of us doing that, I think it's enough to change probably lots of people around us. The energy of that is really, truly beautiful. Thank you. So, oh, yeah, we're almost at the end. But I do want to mention also that I noticed that you have guided audios as well. Mm-hmm. And, and you offer a link. So I have the link here. I won't have the link on the podcast profile. Once it's live, I will not have it there because this is in, in your book. But talk to me for a moment about the guided audios. Are they for every day? Do you have one for each day? Yeah. So there's different, what I would call levels to the practice. Um, the first basic practice is kind of what you and I have been talking about, Valeria, where it's like, well, you know, there's a 10 minute guided. There's also a five minute. If somebody only has five minutes, that's fine. And then there's, um, level two, which, uh, is where you start being able to, like, if you know, artists are really good at, um, getting strange, getting weird, like just trying things that no one (laughs) understands. That's level two. And I won't even say what level three is, but anyway, so each, (laughs) each of the recordings is meant for the different ways of doing the practice. It's not every single day. There's probably about six or eight total recordings, um, depending on what kind of practice you're doing. Okay. So that's good to know because I saw a link to one of the guided audios and I thought about um, asking you um, just to understand more how it works because I didn't access all the pages, but that's good to know. So it's a really beautiful practice. I see from a big picture that it is a practice of freedom, really, becoming free ourselves and and letting everything else to be free. They already are, but we have this idea or this perception that we are controlling reality when in truth we are not (laughs) that's what it feels like to me but it's there's something about also the idea of free will so this is where practice like this the generosity practice really it's very helpful if there's something that we can there are choices that we can make then this will be a beautiful place to come from um, service to help others to improve their lives. So gift, uh, just give to others our own gifts. It's incredibly beautiful. Thank you. 
Yeah. And also, I'll just say one thing about that. It's not just giving for the sake of giving. This is joyful giving. Mm, That just means that the person who's offering is as fulfilled as the person who is receiving. And to me, that is a lifeline for Mm. our future as a civilization. (laughs) Like Mm. if we know that when we give to each other, it can actually be life-giving to ourselves. Why wouldn't we then be more generous with each other? That's a beautiful vision. For the idea of um, making a living, making money, that just would change everything. Because now we see so much fear around money and making money coming from that place. Um, Yeah, I love that. Thank you so much again, Christina, for this vision and the work that you're offering. Great to be here, Valeria. And then let's see the ending questions. But before I ask them, would you like to add anything else that you left unsaid for today's conversation, Christina? I would just say that if you're listening to this and you're having a day, like you're just having a day, yes, yes. <laughs> then um, just play with asking the question. Like if you could just give one thing to the people in your neighborhood, that would be really, it would just tickle you. Like you could just give them all coffee, ice cream or a cupcake or whatever. Just like spend one minute thinking about what would be fun to give to the people in your neighborhood right now Mm -hmm. and watch what happens to the rest of your day. Yes. What a beautiful invitation. (laughs) You made me think again, visualize that again. (laughs) Uh, So what do you love most about being in the human body, about the human experience? Hmm. What a wonderful question that is. All right, let's see if I can really put my finger on an honest answer because there's so many things. Um, I would say right now, something I absolutely love is like the physical, I'm just going to go right to my dog. (laughs) I'm not in a relationship right now. So it would, it would relate to that if there were a man in my life, but I'll just say having another being close to me and tuning in to how they're doing and just that ease and um, comfort and just like having that little guy next to me and nothing has to happen. I have no expectations on anything. He's just there and there's joy Mm -hmm. just in him being there. Like, I freaking love that. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) I love the way you express that, (laughs) that it can be felt. (laughs) That joy, there's a lot of power in it. That's, to me, true power. What is another word for life? I'll say vitality. Yes. (laughs) I want to thank you again for your beautiful presence um, and everything that you... um, that you're offering, that you're expressing uh, in this human body. <laughs> it's truly beautiful, though. And I can feel and hear that's coming from, I can't help it but call um, a place of unconditional love, a, a divine place. So thank you for being open <laughs> to those beautiful, I mean, the only energies that I, I, that I believe exist, which is love. So thank you again, Christina. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much, Valeria. And before we say goodbye for today, where is the best place to find more information about you and your book? Sure. Uh, if you just go to my, I think the easiest is my name. So just www.christina with C-H, Christina Fry, F-R-E-I.com. Yes. And I'll have that link on your podcast profile and also the Amazon link to your book. 
Oh, thank you. Thank you again, and we'll talk soon. Bye for now, Christina. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening. To learn more about Christina and her work, please visit innatemarketinggenius.com. To learn more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org slash podcast. Thank you again for listening and bye for now.